You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans! It is Southside Sox down on the farm. I somehow am once again your host for the Minor Leagues podcast. Brett Valentini, Darren Black is with me. Darren, I skipped him last week. Darren, I missed you, buddy. It's been two weeks. Yeah, and Canapolis didn't get a win in that tank span. So. <laughs> Stole my joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're thinking along the same lines because, yes, they were probably uh, – Stuck yeah. at two wins the last time. Yeah, we they were probably two and sixteen, <laughs> and now they're two and twenty-two. Woo! And I believe you've uh, broke the news before we went on air that they are winning tonight. And I've already told you, you may not get to not recap another minor league update if you actually you're taking precious time out right now to speak yeah. to me instead of writing that very important report. If they win, <laughs> you may just have to double up. I'm sorry, Super Joe Sofrisis. Uh, you may have to uh, seed your write-up because Canapolis needs Darren Black. But, of course, we've seen that they've lost uh, games late. They've lost games early. They've just plain lost games. But rather than start Canapolis, Darren, let's, uh, I guess, target the more maybe intriguing uh, I dare say interesting uh, aspects of the system. Um, I should say that running along with this this morning is the first uh, monthly uh, update. It's the May update that Darren's put together. And let me just point out again, it, it's only been two weeks since we talked for the podcast. And it doesn't quite seem like last year when I didn't get to talk to you at all, but for that weird draft day thing where we were we kept musing about what weird named guy they were going to draft next because they all had funny names um but last year not having the minors sucked on a lot of levels and one of them was not getting to 
talk to you and not getting to read your stuff. And one of the delightful things that you do for us, and, and until we saw it coming up again with the weeklies and now even the monthlies, it didn't sort of hit me that it is a lot of fun to be able to read not just the the difficult parts of doing it, which is like the nuts and bolts stuff, which is like, you know, this guy went uh, two for 18 this week or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but it's taken a guy, you know, good or bad and, and trying to uh, apply what they're doing um, to project, to say, okay, this guy's pulling the ball. This is good or this is bad for whatever reason, or this guy, you know, uh, Danny Farquhar is apparently teaching his yeah, guys to genius. throw strikes, you know? <laughs> um, and you know, that stuff, maybe, you know, I I'm a little slow. So maybe the fact that, you know, cause I'm slow, this seems like a much bigger deal to me, but it is a real pleasure to be able to get your take on these guys and the interpretation that you put forth, because it does help us all. Um, maybe people who spend more time paying attention to the white Sox rather than the system. It might not even be interpreting the white Sox performances on that level to be able to sort of apply some of the stuff you're putting together toward, you know, being able to project and interpret even in this early sample size, because we've already seen some, some really interesting trends. One of them being Darren uh, in Charlotte, Gavin sheets, just hitting the ground running, hitting the hell out of the ball. Like we speculated he might, because he had that surprising a little bit of a power flash in Birmingham in 2019. You thought, you know what? I wonder how this is going to play. He doesn't get the major league ball. He doesn't get the live ball that we thought he might hit 50 homers on in Charlotte, but he, he still looks like he's got his offensive game put together. Yeah. He's uh, the power is right now at a career best. Um, he is in a hitter's park. So he's got, you always got to keep that in the back of your mind. And um, three of his four homers are in Charlotte. Um, but still he's actually clear on the fence. The home run per fly ball rate is up to a more comfortable, like mid teens, which is probably closer to what you want your power guy to have. Um, but yeah, coming into the season, cause, uh, I mean, the old adage was that he was in the best, uh, shape of his life. Um, but obviously he's doing that because he's moving to the outfield new position. Um, but all that is not really affecting him so far. He's actually been probably the best he's been in the minors so far. Um, and he has to deal with uh, being in the outfield, a position he's never done or never played in. Um, and he's doing everything really well so far. Um, if Mermin Mercedes didn't have that awesome uh, April, I'm sure we probably would have seen him or maybe Jake Berger up in the, on the South side. Um, but he and a lot of other guys are kind of pushing the envelope in Charlotte to get up here. Well, here's something that's intriguing because sort of combining the two stories, which, you know, things, it's not going to happen every month, but it just sort of so happens that the weekly update and the monthly update sort of collide this time around makes my job a little easier. Maybe in a way it makes yours, but, and of course we're yeah. just a month into the season. So maybe it makes everything a little bit easier, but we're, we're coming off of a week where Adam Engel was the MVP uh, and <laughs> the man of steel is pretty much doing it all as you probably would expect. You, you would like to think he's got, triple a sorted out by now he's he spent a fair amount of time in charlotte and he's doing what he needs to do to get back but what i thought was interesting about your write-up which published on um, monday um is that it's just it's not a no-brainer he's going to be called uh right up and he might even find himself treading in a, a little water so talk a little bit about adam and then let's also look at the fact that is a guy like gavin sheets does, is there appeal that he might have in being called up you know rather than adam yeah, sure. So Adam Engel, um, he's been there for a week. He's actually doing pretty well. Um, he, I'm pretty sure in his first game, he actually had a game-tying homer in the ninth, which was pretty cool for him. 
you never have to worry about his defense, um, though I haven't heard anything bad about it during his rehab. Um, but that's something that you know you can just plug in, and that that's what you'll get. Um, but in his first week, his uh, hitter profile, it walks, strikeouts are a lot like what he was last season with the White Sox, and that's very promising because uh, that was a huge improvement from 2018 or 2019 to 2020. Um, was the cut down in strikes and the little the walks kind of stayed where they were, but he was just putting the ball in play a lot more often. Um, and the reason why I was saying like maybe he's not a lock uh, is because Danny Mendick has his role and he can uh, play second, short, and third base, and then they throw him out in the outfield when they feel like it. Um, and then Lieri Garcia is the super utility outfielder um, and infielder. And then you've got Jake Lamb actually like doing things. Like he's actually after this first two like a bit weeks, like he's actually been doing pretty well. Um, I think eventually he will come up uh, when he's ready, uh, but maybe he'll be on a bit longer rehab rehab quotation yeah. stint um, just to kind of get a feel for it. Um, but yeah, he's doing really well. Um, Gavin Sheets. So. I, I would have thought Luis Gonzalez would be the next guy up, but Blake Rutherford has been doing actually very, very well. Um, and if you, if you're on the 40 man, I'm expecting that you're going to be up this season eventually. Um, so I would say when Adam Mangles back, he'll probably be up. And then if there's another injury or anything, it'll be uh, Blake Rutherford. Um, if it's another outfielder, um, if it's your mean, uh, and he goes out or he just keeps uh, slumping after his May slump. Um, I'm not really sure who I'd rather pick, uh, Gavin Sheets or Jake Berger, because both of them are doing really well in different ways. Um, and both of them are, will probably be a DH because uh, Jake Berger is not doing so hot at third base currently. And then Gavin Sheets uh, is more of a still a first base DH profile. You know, let's I guess we're sort of into talking about the White Sox and hey, they're, they're a good team. Charlotte isn't. So let's talk about them for a second. Um, is there any scenario that you can imagine where uh, Adam Eaton sees his role reduced? He's, he's been banged up. Uh, he's not that, you know, I mean, listen, none of us are excited about Adam Eaton, even though he's maybe yeah. done a little bit better than we would expect. I guess maybe we've done a little better. He's had a couple key hits or whatever. Yeah. Um, can you imagine that maybe as the season goes on, that maybe his role, his role may diminish where some of these younger guys Adam Engel maybe becomes a primary starter and maybe you get a, a, a guy playing some corner outfield where Adam's maybe being, you know, reduced uh, Adam, Adam Engel, Adam Eaton, Jesus Christ, they got to sign every Adam in the book. Uh, uh, it, you know, gets maybe pushed to the side and it's even more bench. Time. Of course, he's not going to be happy about it. And he's going to, we're getting into another Nick Swisher situation, but c- can you envision that maybe in the second half of the season? Yeah. So when Adam Engel does come up, I figure he's going to start against lefties always, uh, whether he's in right or in center, because um, it, it, his, in his career, career he's been much better against lefties obviously he's a right-handed hitter so kind of that's kind of obvious um but he was really good against them last year um i'm i, I kind of get the feeling that he's a tony la Russa favorite um not just because uh like they have the same like scrappiness to them or whatever but i i know that he was in arizona when he was uh also in arizona and he said that he liked him back when he was a prospect um but i like i i don't see him ever I think he was, his salary is $7 million. I don't see him losing his everyday spot at playing against righties unless they trade for somebody Uh, because he, I mean, he's proven it in the past that he's a good uh, hitter Um, and he's had some timely hits lately, even if he's been struggling. 
Uh, but I can't imagine like Luis Gonzalez, Blake Rutherford, or Gavin Sheets taking time away from him in right field um, uh, against righties. I just don't think that would happen. Um, and he, I mean, he's not a half bad defensive outfielder too. And you kind of need uh, like if you put Angle in center uh, and then Eaton in right. I mean, you still have the liability of Vaughn over there, but it's looking a lot better defensive wise. So I don't, I don't think he'll ever leave. Uh, starting role, but um, when Angle's up, he'll definitely be getting a lot more at bats. It's just uh, he's he's got his role and he he does his role thing pretty well. Um, maybe not the hitting wise right now, but he'll be there for the long haul. Let's face it, Darren. They uh, Tony and Eaton probably both the same. That probably helps. They see each other. They understand each other. They know the plight of their type of person. Okay, let's talk about another guy that you mentioned in the weekly update, and that is uh, Jace Fry, a guy that you think has a much faster path to the majors, both because of bullpen necessity in terms of uh, handedness, but just the fact that he's hit the ground running. It seems like there's not any real rust from having a pretty long layoff and, and the, the back issue here. Yeah, um, I think he also pitched uh, uh, Tuesday as well. Um, I'm not sure how long he went through. I haven't finished that right up yet, but he threw another scoreless. So that's three appearances, no runs, striking out people. Uh, the Sox already don't have a lot of lefties in their pens, just crochet and bummer. Um, it, the question was always who was going to be sent down. Uh, before the season, you could have uh, – it probably uh, uh, would have been – uh, Marshall and he still hasn't really shown anything yet um, because he's the I guess third lefty option since his changeup used to be pretty good against them but he hasn't he just hasn't gotten it today or this year um, but yeah once he's officially ready I fully expect him to be up and then getting a lot of uh, like high leverage innings because that's always been a spot he's always had good stuff he could just never get it right um, a lot like Dylan Cease until he finally got it right. So I'm very curious to see how Ethan Katz um, uh, attacks uh, Jace Fry and all the plethora of pitches he can throw. What also seems like uh, uh, Jace Fry and Aaron Bummer seem to just, they, they seem to very conveniently alternate effectiveness. Like one guy's good yeah. one year and one guy, and Aaron Bummer seems like, I mean, he's up in the air, but so far it has not been a great year for him. So maybe this is just him saying, hey, Chase, I just want to let the White Sox know they really need you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to just be not so great. And you come in and save the day. Uh, all right. Last thing about Charlotte, uh, Darren, let's talk about uh, the Jimmy Lambert start. Uh, I guess by any indication, adequate. He's a guy who averaged, I think I, I figured I did the math somehow. I think I did it right. Uh, he's yeah. been averaging about two and a third inning per start in Charlotte. He got yeah. three innings uh, with the White Sox. <laughs> Go figure. I'm right. Tony LaRusso. But, um, you know, an okay start. Uh, what did that start uh, uh, say? Just place marker thing, go keep working and try and uh, stretch out with the Knights or what, what, what indications to give you? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the, I mean, first off the White Sox starting staff is, uh, is going to, it's going to be a lot or an injury for someone to ever take a spot from either of those five guys because of how well all of them are pitching. Um, but Lambert, yeah, I, before the season, they said that they're going to try to ramp him up because uh, he didn't play any, not even alt site because he got hurt last season. So he, besides, I think he got into a game or two in 2020 as the Sox bullpen. Um, but so he really hasn't started a game since September, late August of 2019. So they have to ramp him up uh, to get his arm used to actually throwing. 
Um, I, I'm not sure if they want to use them in the bullpen later on because they really haven't had success uh, using their triple-A starters in the bullpen so far. Like, Fever hasn't really proven it. Um, and then, obviously, they, you've got Ronaldo Lopez, an actual starter that can go a bit longer right now in the wings. So if someone does get hurt, I still think it's going to be Lopez to uh, get that option. But, I mean, the stuff looked good, especially the first inning. Um, he just he just has to get his motion repeatable, just got to uh, get his fastball curveball working um, and get that third pitch. But he's he's got a long way to go. Um, to see him in the majors pitching regularly. Um, I know people have been talking about Lance Lynn and uh, Rodon, who they're going to keep. Um, and I'm sure <laughs> in the back of Jerry Reinsdorf's mind is Jimmy Lambert's cheap. Maybe just use him. <laughs> but, it's it's cute that people are discussing which one they're going to keep. <laughs> is there a third option? I think there's a third option. <laughs> yeah, I think Stever and Lambert might be four or five next year. <laughs> But again, Darren, I say it all. It seems like every podcast I say, that's a whole nother podcast. And we'll talk yes. about that one day, but not now. We are going to Birmingham now because they are the exciting team in the system. They, at this point, they're practically rivaling the White Sox as the best team in the organization. But what's crazy mm-hmm. is they started off this, the season hitting the heck out of the ball, which freaked everybody out. It's like, wait, they had a home week and they knocked the cover off the ball. And they mm-hmm. haven't really let up knocking the cover off the ball by and large. But and then maybe about the second week, or maybe right off the right right out of the gate, the pitching was awesome. Uh, Connor Pilkington is the uh, monthly MVP, and he's been at least one weekly MVP. Uh, Blake Battenfield, I don't know if he has been, but he's been generally great, even though mm-hmm. he's not a guy we regard in the same way. Cade McClure, this latest week, so I think he's had two weekly MVPs. He's been great. Jason uh, Jason B J B. Uh, as I like to call him, uh, he's been called up now from Winston Salem, and he hit the ground running. This is an unbelievable starting staff. This is the staff they need. Can they get all those guys up to Charlotte? Yeah. Because <laughs> thank God the White Sox rotation's been so good and so dependable. Because if something happens, <laughs> panic, uh, or maybe they just go right down to Birmingham. Just talk about this rotation because they have been lights out there. Yeah, I mean. Uh... Like you said, Pilkington and McClure have been really, really good. Um, McClure's, because uh, he was the weekly winner, um, he's had one bad start, much like Giolito with that one bad start, and his ERA was all out of whack until he got a lot of starts rolling. Um, but if you take out that one start, uh, McClure actually just has like a 1.80 ERA, so he's been really good, one bad start. Um, P- Pilkington has been just consistent throughout. Uh, every single start is five innings. It's always good. He's always throwing strikes. He's never walking people, uh, which is fantastic. And coming in, or well, 2019 uh, walk rate was very low, but he's actually improved that too. So I don't know what the White Sox were doing with all these guys um, in 2020 and then in the offseason heading into 2021, but a lot of these guys are just throwing a lot more strikes. Um, And even Alec Hansen is throwing a lot more strikes. But, I mean, it was still a tall task. He still has a lot of walks but they've even fallen um but yeah jason jb is probably the biggest surprise so far because i figured he was going to be in the bullpen but again the same i don't know what danny farquhar is doing in winston-salem but it all seems to be working he's striking out a ton of people he's not walking anybody he's throwing strikes after strike after strike and actually going deeper into games than what i figured 
Um, so yeah, that rotation is very, very good, especially with Charlotte's rotation, not doing as well as we would have liked. Um, but yeah, the next level down is looking really good. Tall task, Alec Hansen. Yeah. That's real nice. Yeah. Very nice, Darren. <laughs> That's why we pay him the big bucks. Okay, but let's talk about that bullpen because here's the thing. You got that, the, the little, the, the triumvirate that I like, uh, the, the Canon, Souza, Perez. You've got this guy who came, who dropped out of the sky, Ofredi Gomez. And it's yeah. like, you're talking about a, a, a really strong bullpen as well. And then it's like, oh yeah, Alec Hansen, the eight foot tall guy, who, if, who at times has been, what, he's been a, at least a top three prospect or a top five prospect in the system, right? I mean, he's yeah. certainly fallen. Three, four years have fallen, yeah. but uh, he's a guy who in theory would have that potential. This, there's not like a wasted spot. Whatever they're feeding those guys in Birmingham, just in the pitcher's table, I want to <laughs> eat some of that too. Is that, a, is that a meals on wheels thing that we can get? Because I want some of it too. The bullpen's been really encouraging as well. Yeah, the bullpen's actually been fantastic because I regard the best uh, next best crop of lefties in the White Sox rotation or bullpen sure. to be in uh, Birmingham and Bennett Souza of Andrew Perez have been pretty good. Um, Alfredo Gomez is, is he actually leads uh, Birmingham in strikeouts even though he's in the bullpen, which is outrageous. Like a 1.15 ERA, 24 Ks in about 16 innings. And he has been awesome. I don't know. I don't know what really is going to happen with this guy because you need you need a much more time to see if this is the real deal. And he's a bit older for the Double A league, um, so you need to see him in Charlotte. But he's been an awesome story. Um, if I were to pick the MVP, I would have picked Alfredo Gomez because of just how awesome he is. But Connor Pilkington deserved it as well because he's also been pretty good. Um, it's, yeah, just a lot of surprises overall in Birmingham, to be honest. All right, uh, listeners, readers, watchers, Darren Black calling you out. You voted wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, listen, the bats have been hot. Mike Rodolfo, I cannot figure out. He was horrible to start the season. Then he went bananas. And then he sort of went horrible again. He's one of the rare guys who, like, felt he's, like, yeah. gone onto the list out of nowhere. Then he's completely fallen off the list. He's been extremely hot and cold. But rather than just talk about Mike, or he might be the guy I want to talk about, there have been a lot of good bats for me. I think they've cooled a little bit. But is there a bat, um, given that that's such a weird mix of players, is there a guy uh, among the position players who, who seems to have the most promise to you or is most exciting uh, uh, to you at this point a month into the season? Yeah, well, I mean, the easy answer is Mike Rodolfo, just because he's actually hitting for power and he's playing in the field again, um, which is amazing. He's got six homers. Um, he... He's hot and cold, kind of like how Javier Baez is hot and cold, because he just strikes out a lot. So he'll, he'll just have those days where he'll strike out three, four times. Um, but uh, he, I mean, he's he's showing the power. That's what you want out of the guy that was uh, used to be a top maybe five, ten prospect because uh, of his power and his arm. Um, but I mean, I know I know Dan really likes Rami Gonzalez, so I'll mention him because he's actually a really interesting guy now that he's playing shortstop a lot. Uh, he's always been a guy that hit for average, uh, decent speed, but he's just he's doing it much better now because he's walking at his highest rate and it's his highest level, which is always a great sign. If you're walking more at double A than you are at Canapolis, great sign. Um, he is striking out a bit more, um, not terribly uh, to his career average, but it still is generally high, just below 30%, which doesn't sound great, but he's walking um in double digits too so i'd kind of cancel those out um but yeah he's showing a lot of power in a non-hitters ballpark uh he's still stealing four bases showing some speed 
he's playing shortstop now. So it's, he, he's, he's just been great. Very surprising. Um, he squares out the ball a ton. He does hit a lot of grounders, which is the only bad thing. So maybe he's kind of getting a little bit lucky with Babbitt because that is a little high. Um, so maybe keep an eye out on that, but he's been one of the more surprising guys since they take, they took him uh, in the, I don't think he was a high slot guy uh, or that high a slot uh, draft pick, but he's been very surprising and um looking forward to him when he's finally in AAA. So you say um, Dan likes this guy? Dan, who? Daniel Victor. Oh, Dan, oh, Dan Victor. Yeah. The guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he's supposed to be on a podcast. I think he writes for us. I think Yeah, he's supposed to be on a podcast, yeah. Darren. And one of these yeah, days, he... maybe Dan Victor's going to be on the podcast or maybe, you know what, Dan, if you don't want to be on the podcast, maybe just send Venus Victor because Venus Victor did out poll you in a recent <laughs> poll. Uh, because I think uh, Venus had a little bit of the mojo going to get that rain out for Kannapolis to sort of push another, uh, let's face it, no brainer loss pushed it away right and i think venus got more votes for some sort of rain dance that venus did rather than you dance so dan we'll take venus that's cool i mean you know we had uh we had chico marks uh the very uh large and in charge uh cat from uh, winston-salem um uh chico uh chico marks uh brady uh last week uh so you know we could just we can just keep rotating anyway yeah. i'm giving dan enough trouble and he's probably not listening so okay hey dan uh hey we'll this out. this probably uh, would be a good time as we are now doing the roll call of all pets on the podcast to take a break take a real quick break uh on the pack a podcast we will be back in uh, just a minute talking about the somewhat less compelling but we'll find something interesting about the single a teams for the white Sox. at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. <laughs> hey, White Sox fans, <laughs> suppress your laughter. We are back in, uh, we're just talking now uh, about single A, uh, Darren. Um, yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to low A. Let's talk a little high. That's a team that I can't really figure out either. They seem to have yeah. forgotten how to hit early they in the season. Maybe, either. Yeah, first half of the month, it seemed like they were finding ways just to eke out victories, just hit just enough to win. Now it seems like they've lost the ability uh, to do that. Uh, what do you make of this collection of guys? Yeah, I mean, even their record uh, is kind of just who are we? Because I, um, I believe what, when I checked for the monthly or the weekly, it's been three straight Sundays where they finished the week back at 500. <laughs> so they just keep somehow, however they're doing it, whether they're hitting one week and then just pitching one another week, they always just get back to 500 by their off day on Monday. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the with the news that they sent sent down a couple guys, Luis might. Luis Maises and Harvin Mendoza, um, probably guys that a bit of an aggressive uh, uh, promotion just since they didn't play last season and coming from rookie ball. Um, but they're trying to improve the overall team, I guess, to get rid of the guys that just clearly weren't ready. Um, but yeah, uh, they're heading into the season. They weren't a real prospect heavy team. It was kind of Caleb Freeman. And then a lot of like names that you used to know, like Lenyon Sosa, Bryce Bush, 
Gilbert Sanchez, um, but Luis Curbelo has been the probably the best of the bunch so far. Yeah, tell me about the statistic that will indicate how much of the Winston-Salem dash offense Luis Curbelo is responsible for, because I'm guessing it's about 67%. I don't know what the number actually is, but he basically is their entire offense. Yeah, he leads in RBI. He leaves in homers. Uh, he's he's hitting the crap out of the ball. Like it's pretty it's pretty amazing. It's not gonna it's not gonna stay like that. So uh, don't get too excited because uh, some of that is just unsustainable. Like a three fifty four ISO. That's not gonna. We know he's not Luis Robert in, right. <laughs> in with the dash, so he's not going to keep doing that, but he's been so good. What do you as an analyst, Darren, do with that? I mean, this is a guy who was on a faster track, and he was a, a, a pretty highly regarded prospect, and then he really hit a wall, and he's basically had, I want to say it's been a couple of years where he's sort of just tread water, right? I mean, he was in Great Falls in 2019, or he got he got demoted to Great Falls, I believe. Yeah, he got demoted. He, he was doing pretty bad with Canapolis and got demoted back down to the rookie league. So, I mean, what do you do with, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's a guy, I mean, uh, he, he could be learning. He could, he could be um, maybe even, I don't want to call it late bloomer because he's not, a, he's not an old prospect by any stretch, but what do you do with that? When the guy hits that speed bump, is there a chance that he is now more, he is maybe back in the left-hand lane and he is back on a fast track uh, of the system, or is most of this just going to be a mirage? And at some point by the end of the season, we're going to say, boy, what happened to Luis Carbello? I don't, I don't think it's all a mirage because if you look at the batted ball profile, like everything he's hitting is in the air and he's pulling the ball and he's not really hitting it the other way, which means that he's hitting the ball really well. Like he's on top of it. Um, he, he's always had a strikeout problem though. It's actually improved since his Canapolis numbers. Uh, but, um, uh, but the, again, the batted ball profile looks really good. It's just, he's not, He's not old for Winston-Salem, but eventually when he gets up to double-A, that's going to be huge for him because the pitching crop is so much better. It's so much more polished. Um, they'll have a lot better breaking balls or change-ups. Um, and I don't know if he's only hitting uh, fastballs right now and then striking out on breaking balls. They don't really have that data. Um, but just looking at it, like his profile and strikeout number is still high. Um, 66% of the balls that he hits, are, he pulls which is why he has seven homers. Um, so, I mean, it looks really good right now. I just want to see him in another level. Um, I, I'm not sure why they didn't decide to bring him up to double A and then Jose Rodriguez up to uh, high A, because that would have made sense to me, um, un unless they just want to keep Rodriguez doing really well in Canapolis for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't expect him to be on any top 30 prospect list at the end of the season, um, but he's – deserves a bit more looks to see if he actually is the prospect that he was like three, four years ago when he was always in the top 30. Um, Cause he was a high draft pick back in 2016, but he's lost all that luster since um, you know, 2017, 2018, whatever year it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, guy to keep an eye on. And the White Sox don't want to give, Southside Sox the satisfaction of just calling up all of our monthly MVPs. That would be too yeah. easy. White yeah. Sox, you should probably do that. But I don't blame you. You don't. You got I mean, you're paying guys. You're paying guys a lot more money than we're getting paid to make <laughs> these decisions for you. So okay, go ahead. Don't call these guys up yet. That's fine. But that is uh, Winston Salem MVP for the month of May. Luis Corbello. Let's talk about one more guy before we have to move on or move down 
or move somewhere in the disappearing zone that the Canapolis Cannonballers are. Let's talk about uh, the weekly MVP, which is Johan Dominguez, a guy who uh, I thought was interesting in your write-up, Darren. Uh, you pointed out was passed over for the call-up uh, for Jason B. And um, just talk a little bit maybe about why that could be. Yeah, so he's he's a soft-tossing uh, right-handed uh I guess now he's a starter, but he, when the Sox acquired him, he was a reliever, but now he's starting. Um, I just really think of him more as an org arm. I think he'll always be pretty good uh, wherever he is, but the fact that he's 25 and in Winston-Salem is not great for his uh, uh, promotion ability, if that's a word. Um, but he, he's a righty, which is not a good thing um, if you want to move up quickly because Cody Medeiros is a lefty, and he made that switch from starting to reliever. Um, and the reason why he gets a plus, uh, why he's in Charlotte is because he's a lefty and they need a lefty. So if you're kind of stuck with the righty, soft tossing righty, he'll get a lot of quality starts. He'll get a lot of innings. He'll probably be in Charlotte one day when he's 28, 29, 30. Um, and that's probably where he'll be. Uh, maybe he'll make a spot start or two. Um, but he's just, uh, the, not the profile of what you were looking for a major leaguer in 2021, uh, maybe in the seventies, but not, uh, not, not in this day and age of baseball. So Dominguez has got a little bit of a Blake Battenfield vibe perhaps. Yeah. 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 Both of them I think are org arms and they'll make spot starts. Um, I'm sure once the trade deadline comes around, people will look at these guys stats and be like, why don't you trade this guy for this guy? Um, because no one wants these guys. <laughs> that's why. Um, but yeah, that's basically what that comes down to. They're, They're like, just kind of org arms. You're like, did Pittsburgh call? Okay, if they didn't call, then nobody wants. Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Pittsburgh, but hey, you know you've earned it. Uh, okay, hold on. Let's move down to Canapolis. Let's just let's walk. Uh, let's run, not walk, Darren. Let's talk <laughs> about the two and twenty-two. Perhaps as we're speaking, maybe three and twenty-two <laughs> Canapolis Cannonballers. This is remarkable, and of course, you're already on record, and I'm not going to let you forget it, of predicting a second-half division title for the Canapolis Cannonballers, uh, and you can have the last <laughs> laugh, and I, I invite you to laugh at me when that does happen, because it is plausible. What the heck? These guys could, I mean, they definitely need two and twenty-two off of their backs, and they don't get it off their backs for a while, so having it off their backs has got to help. Um, here's the problem. When you're talking about, like, weekly MVPs for a team really this bad, it's like, well, who you just pick out of a hat? Who in the world can it be? Um, Cavaria Weaver is a guy who is this week's MVP. And I'm sure that's another one where you're like, what kind of, what kind of choice does the clown, did the clown voters make on this one? Because he shouldn't be a weekly MVP, but, um, humor me, Darren, and, and let's talk a little bit about Cavaria. Yeah. So, uh, Sox drafted him in 2018 out of high school, uh, over slot guy was really toolsy. Um, and he was kind of drafted in that time where, uh, kind of Moncada, Robert and Eloy were, uh, Charlotte MLB in that wave. And they were trying to get their next wave ready, uh, in rookie leagues, uh, as kind of just to help, um, be the bench depth, I guess. Um, but he just has not really worked out. And the, it seems like the, uh, the break in 2020 was not really helpful for him. Um, again, he didn't really play a lot in professional baseball because he was in the rookie league. So he's always, always starting in June. Um, but he strikes out a lot, doesn't really walk, but, but again, he's really toolsy. So it, he might become a Luis Curbelo and just kind of have it all hit right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just, 
it'll take a while to kind of see that because he is hitting homers when he actually hits the ball. He just doesn't really hit it all that often with like a 45% K rate, which is not great. And he also doesn't walk well. Um, so he, he's got a long way to go in his development. Um, but I mean, he had a better week than most uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's going to be the motto for the first half of Canapolis. Hey, guy had a better week than most of his teammates. Hey, listen, let's acknowledge something as well. I don't even know if it's pronounced Cabrera. It may be Cabrera, but yeah. I'm pronouncing it that way. all the time. Yes, I, I'm pronouncing it that way because his spelling – that is the correct spelling. Uh, Kim Contreras, uh, uh, our photographer uh, down in Arizona, caught that as she's a big uh, Weaver fan. I've spoken a little bit with, uh, say, Cabrera, even though it might be his, his own manager at Great Falls, just every single game wrote it down in the score, uh, in the lineup card wrong each time. And I guess he's just a polite kid. He's like, all right, I'm not going to tell the manager how to spell yeah. my name. Uh, but it may not be pronounced that way, but I'm going to pronounce it that way just so that more people get it right. Cause I think even on baseball reference, it still isn't right. So one day, maybe this guy will get prompt. That will be the true mark for Cabrera Weaver, uh, somewhat making it as a prospect when people just can get his name right. Uh, Darren, uh, let's talk about two guys going in different directions for Canapolis before we mercifully put the Cannonballers to, to sleep for this week. And let's let's start with the bad news, and that is ben, Benjamin Bailey, uh, who's a guy who had a, probably the most aggressive or certainly was in the category of aggressive assignments for playing full season ball at age, I think, 19, uh, did sort of end up, I guess you could say, um, you know, failing, whatever that means, um, in being sent back, I believe, today to Arizona to just work out in, in Glendale. And I suppose then just wait around for Arizona ball to start after the mm-hmm. draft. Yeah. He, he's got a, he has a lot to work out. Um, I know uh, Daniel Victor went to a game and he said that he just didn't look comfortable or ready whatsoever, which I do not blame him. His, <laughs> his only time playing in professional baseball before this was in uh, the Dominican summer league and, a lot different than uh, full season minor league baseball. Um, he, when he did start to, he kind of did start to put some things together the last couple weeks, but they were mostly singles. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was hitting the cover off the ball. He wasn't looking like Jose Rodriguez, just gap power everywhere. Um, he struck out a lot more. Like he almost doubled his strikeout rate compared to the Dominican uh, summer league and the walk rate walk rate fell almost threefold, which is not great. Uh, it means that you're really struggling and you can't really put anything together. Um, and he was always hitting balls to the opposite field, which means he was usually late. If it, it was a breaking ball, he's hitting it late. He's not really getting around on any baseball, not really putting any oomph into it. Um, and mostly everything was on the ground too. So it was just, uh, it was just too soon for him. Um, I mean, he, he is a top 30 prospect, so he probably should have been ready. But again, the whole 2020 no season, it's just a lot to handle, and he just wasn't able to handle it. And one thing that came out um, last week in talking with um, Julie for this uh, that she brought up that I'm sure you're aware of uh, too, Darren, but maybe it's it's easy to forget is, especially these guys, not even just the guys coming from the Dominican, but even the, the Jared Kellys of the world, the guys coming out of high school, going oh, right into a full year of ball uh, is an yeah. enormous adjustment. The guys from the Dominican who mm-hmm. may 
only be beginning to grasp the language that is just got to be freaking them out this is this really is a challenge like we're rarely going to see because you get a, a group of guys which you think might help a bigger group of guys make it, getting these aggressive assignments but it doesn't necessarily make it easier uh, it's not going to necessarily allow you to grasp the language or the culture uh any easy, easier as i think i pointed out last week Jared Kelly can only treat this like entire team, the entire bus to like the McDonald's dollar menu so many times. He's got to save some money for God's sake. He's the only guy making any sort of money. Um, and so th these are challenges that, I mean, I think it's sort of easy to look like, geez, why is the guy just hitting singles? He, he's like eight feet tall. Why, you know, what's going on? But I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. And the fact that the team is, I mean, not that it would necessarily be much different for Benjamin Bailey if the team was 22 and two. I mean, the fact he'd probably be hitting home runs. But, uh, you know, that can't be making it any, easy, any easier uh, as well because <laughs> Benjamin Bailey, he wasn't part of that DSL team that lost like 800 games uh, to, uh, three years ago, I think. No, he was no. part of the team that ran through the DSL and made us all go, hold on, what's going on in this Dominican League? Because this team used to be horrible. Did they just get all the personnel? And they did. Uh, and now he's back on a team where it's like, oh, my God, well, this is what those guys were talking about uh, when I came into the Dominican, for, for, for God's sake. Um uh, uh, Darren, uh, Jose Rodriguez, we talked about a guy, um, you know, if the White Sox were listening to this podcast, White Sox, you know, you listen to the podcast, come on, just go ahead, move the guy up. Uh, you know, he's our MVP, Jose Rodriguez. Um, I don't recall, uh, I didn't see any, uh, we'd have to lean on Sean Williams or Kim Contreras or somebody who's really, 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 really paying attention to the minor leagues. Um, maybe like yourself to know how well he fielded his position in Arizona. He's not fielded it terribly well in Canapolis, is that something that's going to hold him back? Is he a guy who's eventually going to slot over to uh, third base? Uh, what is his deal fielding-wise, and how long will he have to wait just bat alone before he, he, he decides to change his address to Winston-Salem? Sure, yeah. he. I'm sure he'll stay as a uh, shortstop in Canapolis, and then when he starts moving up, he'll probably uh, do the normal middle infield uh, shortstop, not really working out thing, move to second or move to third. Um, it just kind of, it also depends on his build um, as he gets older, because he still is just 20. So he probably still will maybe not grow height wise, but uh, get a little bit more built as he gets older or just gets into a more of a routine of I'm a professional baseball player now, and I'm actually pretty good. Um, but it, he, he has played third base in the past. Um, but again, White Sox, put people in the outfield whenever they feel like it. So you got to keep that in the back of your head. It's as a recurring well. theme. It's a recurring yeah, theme. White Sox, you the deserve time. it. You deserve it for what you've but, done this year. Yeah. But I mean, he he's hitting the snot out of the ball. So they have to, they'll probably want to find a place for him eventually. Um, but right now it doesn't really seem like shortstop, um, but I'm sure they would like to give him uh, probably another year chance. Uh, given this, given next year, because he'll, I mean, this is his year 20 season. So he's got a long time in the minors before we, he's even mentioned as a, maybe he'll be on the White Sox this year. Um, but yeah, far, far away from it, shortstop for now, but probably move to second or third eventually. As much as I want to relieve our listeners of having to think more about the two and 20 Canapolis Cannonballers, let's just address one more issue. And that is, this is some, a, a gold mine of the, the blue chip, arms in the system this is the so-called you know second wave of starters uh, all sort of battling out there and it's very very early um matthew thompson seems to among this sort of trifecta of he and uh drew dahlquist and uh the dollar menu treater jared <laughs> kelly <laughs> sure. 
he's a boy if you ever heard this podcast you're like what is this guy talking about that i'm supposed to be treating the whole team to okay sorry jerry uh but among those three it does seem like matthew thompson has had the most consistent um good starts he's had at least one bad one i know but is there anything to make from like a first month of full season professional ball i know that'd be reading too much into it but it's certainly better for him to get the better start than even maybe what dalkless is doing and certainly what kelly's done yeah, I don't um I don't think there's any need to uh, like uh be concerned or worried about any of these guys right now um, cuz it's not exactly like the situation with Benjamin Bailey coming from a different country learning a new language. Um but just take Jared Kelly the last time he pitched was in high school and now he's in full season professional baseball. Um for the honestly the DSL might be better than high school baseball, so that's probably a bit a lot more um, competition that he than he's used to, um, but they just what it just comes down to for each of these guys they they just need to throw strikes. They are walking a lot more people um, than they should be, especially Matthew Thompson, um, who was kind of known as more of a command guy coming in, um, but he just hasn't he just hasn't shown that yet. Um, so I wouldn't be concerned about any of these guys. Uh, at the end of this month, June, and they still have five, six, seven ERAs, um, then you probably start getting more concerned because this is your next group of uh, pitchers. And like the conversation earlier about who you're going to keep Rodon or Lynn, uh, one of these guys has to kind of be good eventually because um, they'll need them. <laughs> Remember, listeners, it's going to be Rodon or Lynn. It's <laughs> definitely going to be one of them. <laughs> Speak it into existence. You guys, uh, you guys, White Sox, you guys are so funny. Oh, the way you tease us, you tease oh, us. You they're not gonna, everything. they're not gonna re-sign Giolito, so the money's got to go somewhere. <laughs> this took a tragic turn. All right, let's talk about the dollar menu again. All right, hey, listen, Darren, I was gonna like gush and say, oh, thank you for this great work, and you worked so hard. That's a big. Oh, and wait, you're taking time out to do uh, from your from your update writing today to do this podcast. But hey, you got an easy week. You don't got to do a monthly and a weekly. You just got to do the weekly this week. You yeah. got it easy this week, even if you do end up having to take <laughs> Joe's spot tomorrow, if it turns out Canapolis won, which I'm not aware of whether or not they did, but they probably found some new, new and exotic, tragic way to lose a game, and they're maybe yeah. now 2-23, and 23. but we'll find out okay, tomorrow man. when this publishes. Uh, but thank you for the time. Thank you for a particularly busy week, uh, uh, doubling up on on the two you did for us. Uh, that stuff is really essential reading for, I'm going to guess, not just Southside Sox, readers and listeners, but certainly uh, those followers of other sites, wink, wink, who might even make fun of all our polling and our profiling, wink, wink. And who knows me, the White Sox, White Sox, hey, call those guys up. It's all right. You can call them up. Yeah. But thank you, Darren. I appreciate it. Uh, Superman, appropriate hat for the big man this week. He doubled up for us. And who knows what hat he'll be wearing next week, because uh, hopefully we'll have you on again uh, next, uh, next week. And maybe we'll get Venus Victor on. Uh, that's probably going to be target number one. Yeah. Then maybe Dan Victor, maybe Julie Brady. Maybe she's third because she's rehabbing. She got some. She got a bone taken out of her foot or something. So I don't know. Maybe she's. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, so maybe she's third in the lineup. You know, we'll see. We'll see. But Venus, uh, if you're listening, uh, bark twice if you want to be on next week with me and Darren, and we'll have a lot of fun. And you can wear a special uh, funny hat as well. Darren will have a new one. Maybe I'll put one on again. And. Uh, <laughs> As always, thanks, everybody, for listening, reading, even sometimes watching. And we'll be back in uh, another week with uh, episode number six, I believe, of Southside Sox down on the farm. Thank you, Darren.